0: The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our New Testament reading this morning comes to us from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. His praise endures forever. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. There are probably no three words in my children's ear that can send more waves of fear, stress, and maybe even sadness all at the same time than these three words. You know what they are? Back to school. Back to school. Vacation's over, summer's ending, sleeping in is out, and work begins. Working a mind that's been hibernating a bit, right? Clearing out the cobwebs with things like memorization and multiplication, and working on projects, and working in groups on group projects, can't stand group projects, and working out schedules, I think what makes fear, stress, and sadness part of those three words, back to school, is the energy, the work it takes to be a student. All of the papers, all of the deadlines, all of the exams, the grades, the social maneuvering, it takes a lot of work, school does. But as an adult, don't we experience the same phenomenon on a smaller scale every week at 7.45 p.m.? On a Sunday night, yeah? Back to work. My brother calls it PMS. Pre-Monday syndrome that he goes through. Where you feel the weight of the work world back on your shoulders. Where you work in order to pay the bills, in order to feed the kids, in order to have enough money in your 401k so you don't have to depend on your kids when you can't work any longer. What would make going back to work or going back to school each week or each year easier, lighter, less dreadful for us? Well, Psalm 111 has something to say, not only about how we begin our school year students, how we begin our work weeks workers. Psalm 111 teaches us how to begin any and every one of our worship services or our days or our weeks. See, like I mentioned at the beginning of our service, for the next seven weeks at All Saints, we're going back to school. We're walking through a psalm each week to teach us once again how to worship God. We're going to be walking through seven psalms that are focused on seven parts of our liturgy and really the seven main parts of our day and our lives as followers of God. The first part, today, we're focusing on invocation where we begin asking God to be the one in charge. Then we'll look next week at adoration, where we take a long and beautiful look at who God is. Then the third week, confession, where we're going to take a long and a harder look at how fallen we are. And the fourth week, assurance, as we remember what Christ has done in bridging the gap between a beautiful God and a broken people. And then Thanksgiving, where we offer back to God gratitude for the work he's done. And where we are right now in the service, edification, where we feed and we feast and are strengthened by the food of his word. And then lastly, response, when we're sent back to work, back to school, back into life to invite more of the world to follow Jesus, our teacher, in his dying and in his living Friends, I want to ask the question, what would make going back to school or back to work tonight easier, lighter, a little less dreadful? What if you were told before stepping foot into your school or into your workplace or even into worship on a Sunday morning, what if you were told this, student, every assignment has already been finished for you. Every paper has already been written, Reagan. Every grade, friends, students, is already an A How might those words back to school then affect you if you know it's all finished and it's all good? How would you go back? You still have to go back. But you might go back differently, right? What if stepping into the work world on Monday morning had more reward and encouragement? If you were told, I want to let you know, your checking account and your 401k is filled with more funds than you know what to ever do with. You have enough forever. How would it change how you step foot into the workplace? This is what Psalm 111 is here to sing to us. It's saying to us, begin your day, begin your week, begin your worship and your work enjoying the forever finished work of Christ. And today I want to unpack what are the forever finished works of Christ that we need to begin our worship and our school weeks and our work weeks enjoying. Three things this psalm highlights. First, His perfect work. Second, his providing work. And third, his Passover work. And if you notice, as you look at the Psalm 111 in your worship guide, you're going to see these words forever or forever and ever. And those are going to mark those works that we're going to look through. So first, let's begin our worship and our week enjoying God's perfect work. Would you read with me, if you could turn in your worship guide, read with me verses 2 and 3 out loud together. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Let's just unpack these two lyric lines of Psalm 111. Notice first how the works of the Lord are described. They're described as great. It's the Hebrew word gadol, which means Basically, to be larger than you. Larger than your own limited view. It's adding an ER to everything that you are. Greater, taller, wiser. That's what that word great is supposed to mean. This word should cause us to think of things which maybe makes our stomach sink a little when we think of them. When my kids and I would go to Chicago, and we'd stare at what used to be the Sears Tower. I think it's called Willis Tower now. When you stare up at Willis Tower, what happens to me is my knees get a little weak when I see how tall that building is. Or maybe when you've been to the Smokies or the Rockies and you're on a cliff looking down at the mountain, what happens in your gut or on the co- in the car as you're hanging out in the steering wheel, right? It's something that reminds you Just how small you are and how great God is. That's Godol. That's greatness. Great are your works. Not only they're much bigger than us, they're also much more beautiful and majestic than us. It's a beauty that's bigger than you. Like the green of Wisconsin in the summer. This was made for you. Look at the beauty of what you see outside. You find this greatness, this gadol in the work of God's first creation. It's watching a sunrise. And like one songwriter writes as he's watching the sunrise, when you see the morning sun burning through the silver mist, don't you want to thank someone for this? I was thinking about this passage as I was laying in bed on Thursday morning, and I could just feel my heart pumping blood in my chest without me asking it to do it and I laid there thinking wow in the midst of bigness and beauty comes a final description of the perfect word of God work of God in this passage righteousness see that at the end of that passage righteousness and this this is a perfection that not only has to do with appearance something beautiful, but it has to do with conduct and character. Everything God makes is perfect. Look around. Everything God does is perfect. Look at Him. And His perfection, His righteousness is unending. Even in Wisconsin winter when all we see out here turns brown and goes to sleep, His righteousness is unending. His perfection goes on and on. So our first thing we do in worship every week, the invocation, is all about asking the Lord to be the perfect one in charge. Sarah Kiefer does a prayerful work, friends, in choosing a prelude each week. It's a song with a lyric whose purpose it is is to rub our eyes to see the work of God more clearly at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday. And I try my best to get here early and let the lyrics and the song serve as a spiritual shower to get my too-big-for-its-britches heart ready for worship. And then we stand in silence every week like little children whose larger father is coming through the door. Like sheep, maybe, standing on the edge of a canyon waiting for our perfect shepherd to call our name. As students of worship, As we go back to school, I want to encourage you, take the time to study, as this verse says. Study, chew, savor, delight in the Lord's perfect works. Come into worship with plenty of time to take a prelude shower. Stand in the silence with your eyes closed and your heart looking up at the peak of a mountain like Willis Tower or an endless ocean. When you hear the call to worship, hear the call of a father inviting you, the congregation, to delight in his perfect work, to look outside, to look inside. Ask the Lord to give you eyes to see the world that he made and so much bigger than you. Ask Him to give you ears to hear His perfect righteousness and His perfect will for you. That He would give you a heart that just delights in the work that He has finished in making you perfect forever. That's His perfect work given to you. Secondly, His providing work. Let's read together verses 4 to 8 out loud. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness. When you hear the word provider, what do you think of? If these are his providing works, what do you think of? You probably think of a parent, sometimes dad, although that stereotype is going away, you think of the breadwinner, the person who's bringing home the bacon, the one who takes care of his or her children. And look in these verses at the evidence of provision, of providing coming from the Lord. You see Him providing food. You see Him providing inheritance. You see Him providing direction. Food to those who fear Him. We have to see that the psalmist in this psalm, it's not referring to physical food. Otherwise, there wouldn't be that qualifier, he provides food to those who fear him. He provides food to the whole world, whether or not they fear him, right? So there's got to be a different food going on here. He's providing food to those who fear him. Fear. What is this fear? It's not a fear like duck under the covers and hide. No, that's not the fear. He's providing food to those who respect and admire and revere him as holy. Who see him as the maker of every perfect work. Not see these perfect works as a result of like primordial soup or a big bang who believe Him to be the source of truth and perfection in how we live, not human beings' attempt to make our own versions of right and wrong and self-righteousness. No. And take note of what surrounds, what word surrounds the food that He's providing to those who fear Him in this verse. Do you see that? It's the verb remember or remembering. The Lord causes remembering do you hear that word remember every week in our worship where is it found do this in remembrance of me he causes his works to be remembered god causes the work of his grace and his mercy in verse 4 to be remembered we used to have and we might Bring it back. We used to have baptismal waters when you'd walk through the door to remember your new birth entering into the church that came through baptism. Remember. And in verse 5, when it says, he remembers his covenant forever, what that means is that God's agreement, God's contract, if you will, with his people, it's not that business-like, it's more relational. God's agreement with his people is not one of our works, but one of His grace and His mercy. Week in and week out, the Lord reminds us at the table of the King, He will feed us with mercy and grace as we fear Him and honor Him as perfect and righteous and holy. And more than that, this verse says, He provides for us an inheritance, an inheritance of the nations? That's kind of strange inheritance, isn't it? But to the original audience, that meant conquering a place. He provided for them a promised land here on earth. But to those of us in Christ, it means so much more. It means a kingdom filled with every nation, every tribe, every tongue. As we talked about a few weeks ago in the Gospel of Mark, as we heard Christ shout, It is finished, and the curtain was torn in two. There would be no more divides between people of nationalities or gender or segments or economic status. That's all torn up. Everyone, every nation can enter in to the person of God. There's one kingdom, no longer many nations. We are welcomed into that family, into that kingdom. So he gives us food, he gives us inheritance, and he gives us direction, this word precepts. Do you see that in that passage? It's a word that literally means visit or helps to guide us in how to live right and faithful. We would all acknowledge that Christ was the only human to perform with God's help faithfully and perfectly, right? But Christ in his ascension gives us his spirit to guide us and lead us faithfully and perfectly. Everything we don't have And everything we need in order to live, the Lord provides for us. Friends, I want to ask, do you fear the Lord in this way, as a provider? Because He wants us to know Him as our provider. The Lord doesn't get frustrated or impatient with us like I do as a parent when our kids ask for things. No, He loves responding to our asking. He loves it and he makes sure we never forget who he is as a provider that he's gracious that we we don't deserve what he gives us that he's merciful he could have held it back he doesn't hold it back that he's faithful he will answer when we ask that he's just that he provides for everyone in the same way and that he's trustworthy he doesn't promise something and then not deliver it he wants to be your provider does the beginning of your day, your worship, your work week, your school, start with remembering that the Lord will provide? That what we need for today can, will, and does come from Him? Or do we wake up believing, you know what, this is up to me. This is up to me. It's my own strength. It's my own stamina. It's my own skill. I gotta get going. I gotta get going. FedEx ran an ad that spoofed the movie *Castaway*. If you remember that movie where Tom Hanks played a FedEx worker whose plane went down on this desert island and he was stranded there for years. I don't know if you saw this ad in the Super Bowl, but in the ad, the FedEx employee in the commercial goes up to the door of a suburban home with a package in hand. He hands it to this woman as she comes to the door and he explains, I survived five years on a deserted island. And during that whole time, I've kept this package for you in order to deliver it to you. And she just says a simple, well, thanks. But he's curious about what's in that package he's been protecting for years. And he says, if I might ask, uh, what was in that package after all? And she opens it and shows him the contents, saying, nothing really. Just a satellite telephone a GPS device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. <laughs> Everything we need for life is in the package of our provider. When we begin our worship services on the first day of the week, on Sunday, we don't come with a list of last week's accomplishments, right? I'm coming in, Lord, bringing all that I got. No, we come empty-handed and hands lifted high. Daddy, Daddy, please feed me today. I need. I make it a practice, and I don't try to make it a practice to show anyone anything, but I make a practice to pray with a hand open every time I pray. To remember where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. When we give an offering every week, the Bible calls it first fruits. Owning up to the fact that what we have, even our income stream, didn't come from us. And so we give the first part of it away saying, I didn't make this happen. You gave this to me. Imagine a farmer, if you will, taking credit for the produce that he harvests. Saying, you see all that stuff in that bin back there? I made that happen. I'm sure, the farmer might have planted the seeds But who is in charge of making the seed, the soil, the sun, the rain? (laughs) These verses promise that God will cause his works to be remembered. So ask him to relieve you of your duties of being the sole breadwinner or the primary provider or the perfect parent. Look around at everything that came from him in order to have what you have. And when you don't have what you think you need take stock in asking whether is this something the Lord believes I need right now if I don't have it? My guess would be it's not. God's perfect work we see displayed, his providing work we begin with, and finally his Passover work. Read with me aloud verses 9 and 10. He sent redemption to his people he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise forever. We began this series of Back to School with Psalm 111 partly because it talks about the beginning. The beginning The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the start of wisdom. For those of you who know the book of Genesis, at the start of all humanity, at the beginning was a command. God made a covenant agreement between Adam and Eve. That if they kept to the terms that he provided, enjoying everything he made except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, We could live with God forever. That was the agreement. But Eve and then Adam believed the lie in the garden that promised the fruit would not only taste so good from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it would make them wise. It would make them like God in knowing right from wrong, in knowing good and evil. So she ate And Adam ate. And with them the rest of humanity fell into a complete misunderstanding of God. And they fell into death. But the Lord, he wouldn't leave the story there. Verse 9 of Psalm 111 says, He sent redemption to his people. He sent a precept, a visitor to his people. His most perfect work. And what did he send that perfect work to do? To redeem his people. For the Israelites in Exodus, as they read Psalm 11, they probably thought of redemption being Moses and the Exodus. A God who would deliver them out of the enemy Pharaoh's hand. But Moses was only a window into the perfect Redeemer, Christ. Because even Moses didn't trust God fully. Christ would be sent to live out the contract of our covenant of works. This beginning covenant in the garden. An agreement between man and God to listen and obey him fully. God's original contract we did not keep. But Christ did. And he keeps it as verse 9 says forever. Performed with faithfulness and uprightness verse 8 says in order to deliver us out of the enemy's hand. And that Jesus, that God with us visitor, would take his perfect work of obeying God and use it as a signing of the contract for us on the cross, where his blood would cover our guilty hands, where his perfect body would be broken as our substitute, where the anger of God, the wrath of God over breaking his heart, over breaking his law, would be put upon Christ and shielded from those who fear him. Friends, the respect, the honor, the fear of Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. Christ is the beginning of our worship. Christ is the beginning of our days, our new days on earth. Christ is the beginning of our resurrected life. Friends, when we hear this bell open for worship every week, let's think we're heading back to the school of wisdom where Christ is our teacher, where Christ is our keeper, where Christ is our provider, our protector, our performer, our perfection, our Passover. And let's give thanks with our whole hearts and the company of one another that the praise we sing of the Christ, the King, will ring now. And last, as the last verse says, forever and ever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the beginning of our wisdom being Christ. That you have re-began something in us. That we we, we know we cannot keep your covenant of works. We cannot obey you fully. But Christ did and Christ does and Christ forever will. Help us live under this covenant now of grace and mercy. This covenant that says to us, we cannot perform, we cannot work a perfect work. We cannot provide for ourselves. We cannot even be forgiven in our own doing and our own living. But we live under the perfect, providing. Passover work of Christ. The fear of the Lord Jesus is the beginning of wisdom, and may you help us begin every worship service, every work week, every school year, every day of our lives in fear of our friend Jesus. May we honor him with all that we are, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.